right, all right, all right, all right. Day 249. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, uh, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so um, today is the second day of uh, Luke, right? The Gospel of Luke. And there's so much that we talked through last time. There was so much. I couldn't even get it all in. Uh, but we're today picking up in Luke chapter five. And in Luke chapter five, listen, Jesus uh, is 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 beginning his ministry. Now, remember Luke chapter four, Luke chapter four, he gave us a summation of what his ministry was about, right? Providing this freedom, right? To preach the good news, to proclaim release to the captives, all the, the whole nine yards. And in Luke chapter five, he's actually going to put his money where his mouth is, right? He's going to get going. He's going to get started. You feel what I'm saying? And, and technically in four, he, he, he was doing some of that, but in five, he actually calls his disciples, right? And, um, a lot happens, in this chapter, right? He calls the inner cohort, right? Peter, Simon, James, or Peter, Simon, uh, James and John, right? To himself, they tell him, yo, leave everything, follow me, right? And uh, he, he presents them with this with this big catch of fish. And he says, no, 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 it has a, a deeper spiritual meaning. Y'all actually gonna be catching people, right? The gospel is going to overflow so much in this time period that many people will come to orient their lives around the Messiah, right? And I think we need to remember, listen, being a disciple means that we see to it that we make more disciples, right? We want to see people come to walk carefully and closely with Jesus. And the thing I love about Jesus in chapter five is he's going to show us that he is a both and kind of guy, right? So he's going to say, no, 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 like I want y'all to actually follow me and then he comes and he heals people of real ailments, right? So he, he he doesn't separate the spiritual from the physical, right? He is a soul healer and he's a body healer, right? And so Jesus comes, right? And he shows the holistic nature of his ministry, right? And so in chapter five, Jesus is just going around doing his thing, showing that he is God's anointed and appointed man to bring the kingdom of God on earth and the kingdom of God. There is no area that the kingdom of God, there's no area of life that the kingdom of God does not touch, right? Christ is showing this in his earthly ministry. And in chapter six, chapter six comes, you know, uh, he has a debate with some of the Pharisees about the Sabbath. And again, uh, uh, this, this stuff went on and on and on in the first, the first few centuries. Uh, and even before that, um, these Jewish groups debating about, uh, specific regulations of Torah, right. Of Torah. And Jesus is showing, no, no, no. Like y'all are missing the original intent of the Sabbath, right? It's about rest and restoration not about uh, being overly scrupulous, right? Scrupulous about regulations, right? It's about rest and restoration. And so he shows that in the rest of six, you know, he calls his 12 disciples, right? He's out teaching and healing. And I love what happens in verse 20 is he presents, um, what, what many scholars have called the sermon on the plane, right? So if we remember Matthew chapter five through seven, we have what, um, what is called the sermon on the Mount. Right here in chapter six, Jesus presents the Lucan version, right, um, which is the sermon on the plain. Now, uh, this uh, sermon that he gives, uh, many have pointed out like this is a compilation right, of things Jesus said and taught. Right. And this is like his greatest hits. Right. This is his most famous 
very best <laughs> uh, teachings, right? Otherwise, his, his sermon would have been like three minutes. Um, anyway, so this is a compilation of his uh, best teachings. And one of the things I love about Jesus' uh, teachings is the specific call well, let me, let me back up. Uh, you see the Beatitudes and, and you see the antithesis of the Beatitudes in 24 to 26. And these are these woe oracles to people um, in society that don't follow the way of the kingdom. So he says, woe to the rich, for you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. And what Christ is saying here. Is he saying, essentially, listen, um, the values of my kingdom are upside down, but really they're right side up. Right. They, 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 they cut across our natural intuitions for what it looks like to actually be blessed. Right. He's saying it's not about actually having all of earthly riches. It's not about having everything that makes you comfortable. It's not about uh, having uh, all of your uh, appetites and desires and cravings met in an earthly way. He says that is not the indication of blessing, right? Those people who do those things at the expense of those on the margins and in neglect of the God of the universe, those are the people who will have their fates reversed in the opposite direction in the age to come. And so Christ is, is reshifting our paradigms here. But I love too what happens and follows after that. He talks about loving your enemies. He says, but I say to you, you who listen, love your enemies. <laughs> no, no, no. Do what is good to those who hate you, right? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you, right? If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if one takes your, your, your coat, don't hold back your shirt either, right? Give to everyone who asks. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. Um, you know, and he goes on to talk about if you love those who love you, like anybody can do that. Right. But love those who hate you. Right. And one of the most uh, counter countercultural practices I think we can practice as Christians is diligence in loving our enemies. Right. Diligence in loving our enemies. Right. He says in verse 35, love your enemies. And um, it's so interesting because church historians have talked about, you know, one of the ways uh, that Christianity really stood out in the early first century, first, second, and third centuries was because Christians, listen, were not the best evangelists. They didn't really have a scheme for evangelism, which is so wild. That's a whole nother podcast. But he says one of the things they did, fam, that was so attractive to folks was that they, they really loved their enemies, right? They did not seek revenge, right? They did not backbite people who slandered them, right? They did not go back at folks on social media who was talking crazy, right? They they really loved their enemies. And that is the one of the most Christ-like things we could do, especially in such a um, uh, 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 quick to respond, uh, overly irritable age that we live in. I see Jesus telling us here to learn how to be patient with our enemies and to actually love them and pray for them. Luke chapter seven comes. And one of the things Jesus is doing again is showing that the gospel uh, is not just for the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles. It, it is, it is for those we, we, we wouldn't expect. Right. And so you have this Roman centurion who's Jesus, uh, who, who surprises Jesus with his faith when he says, I haven't even found a faith so great as this, even in 
Israel, right? And then he 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 moves further. He he raises he raises a, a widow's son to life. Uh, following that, he he praises John the Baptist for 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 the ways he's uh, uh been faithful even in the midst of suffering and persecution. And then he ends off chapter seven with a woman, right? A woman who is um uh showing her devotion to Jesus, right? And at the end, he shows uh he he basically talks about how much faith. She has um, one who, again, has no social status in these days, but who acts and looks like a model disciple. And that's what Luke is going to try to do, because even after that, in Luke chapter eight, at the very beginning, he shows that many women who are following Jesus from from Mary to his mama to Mary Magdalene. Right. He was like, yo, um, basically, they all were supporting Jesus with all of their possessions. And the thing that Jesus one of the things that Jesus is going to do uh, in Luke is show that. Um, women are actually the model disciples. <laughs> now, now think about how subversive that 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 portrayal is in the first century, right? You have women who have no social status, who are who are considered among the destitute of society, right? Um, as literally considered second-class citizens, and Jesus is showing that they are actually models of what it looks like to know and follow God, <laughs> right? How subversive is that? Right. Those who are uh, uh, loving much because they realize how how much they've been forgiven. Those who are supporting a uh, good gospel kingdom work with their possessions and with their money. I think we can learn a lot from these women in scripture. Once again, who show us what it means to have devotion to the Messiah. And it keeps going, looks, keeps going and shows uh, Jesus's uh, ministry over and over and the last three things he does uh really show that he is not just the messiah of israel but he's also the god of israel right so he uh calms the winds and the waves he drives out a demon and he heals uh a woman who uh had suffered from bleeding bleeding for 12 years and he raises a woman from the dead um only god can do those things right like only god can cast out demons only god has control over uh the forces of nature we talked about that the water and the winds echoing back to israel's history only god can uh raise the dead to life only god can uh you know heal someone of ritual impurity so the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years uh, she will be ritually impure and the priests listen the priests were the ones who were to distinguish those who were ritually impure and they were the ones to who who would send her to the temple and god was the one who would be to heal her but in this text the revolt the roles are reversed right jesus doesn't send her away but he actually uh heals her by his presence and the thing i think that luke wants to show us and more importantly god wants to show us is that god himself is in the business of healing right like god is not just trying to teach us but god through his spirit and through the person of work of christ wants to heal us right it's beautiful to know listen that we don't serve a jesus who is just worried about our spiritual life but not our physical life or who is just worried about our physical life and not our spiritual life we have a god who does both and may we be people who follow him that do both and as well. Let's pray. God, we ask 
for the grace uh, to be like our Savior, our Messiah. We thank you that um, nobody is excluded from, uh, from the blessings and the promises that you've promised to give through him. I pray that we would live in such a way that models his character about those on the margins, but we will also model his character in our deepest concerns for others, our deepest concern for others, God. We pray that it will be one of both their soul and their bodies. We pray that your spirit